Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Super Tuesday edition of the program, and we're going to kick things off today. Actually, we've got a great program lined up. Uh, Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes, is going to join me uh, coming up uh, in the last third of the program to talk about a new initiative that they have, the uh, My Faith Votes Hub, uh, that will give you, as a Christian voter, regardless of where you are in the country, uh, the opportunity to track sample ballots, get the information you need about upcoming elections, and also uh, help your friends get motivated to vote as well. There are 25 million Christians, Jason estimates, who are eligible to vote, have not registered to vote, and probably won't vote. And brothers and sisters, I'll tell you what, I mean, when we see what happens in the culture and what we see what has been happening in the culture um, with regard to morals and values and things of that nature, the Christian influence is sorely lacking. Now, to be honest with you, I think that uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who's been a recurring guest on the Bottom Line Show, has a new book out that will be of huge benefit to people with regard to uh, how do we temper our enthusiasm for the political. And uh, with the, uh, the, you know, kind of hitting the climax, if you will, the zenith at that point um, on January 6th when thousands of people who were peacefully protesting at the White House and were there saying, we think the election was rigged. Um, and then, you know, there was the storming of the White House. And uh, yeah, the pictures are rather gra- gripping and graphic. Uh, Michael Brown has written a book called The Political Seduction of the Church, How Millions of American Christians Have Confused Politics with the Gospel. And uh, I, I would, uh, I can't wait to have Dr. Brown on to discuss that book because, quite frankly, I think I, I would take it a step further. I, I don't think that Christians are confusing politics with the gospel. I don't think many modern Christians, I'll say this as graciously as I can, I don't think many modern Christians actually understand the gospel. What, what, the conflation isn't so much a question of, do you have this mad obsession with Christianizing America and Donald Trump being your president, et cetera, et cetera. I think, quite frankly, it goes a lot deeper than that. There are so many people who will spend time saying, we preach the gospel at my church, and then they'll hold up a Bible and say, well, you know, here's the good news. Well, yeah, I get it. But do you know what the good news is that's at the heart of the good news? I mean, the Bible is the living word of God, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It separates truth from error. It separates soul from spirit. I mean, that's, that's all factually accurate and spiritually true. But the gospel, the true saving gospel, is this. You and I are sinners who were born sinful into a sinful fallen world. That's not the way God created things for us as people. No, quite the opposite. He created paradise and then created mankind in the image of God and said, let, you know, male and female, he created them. Ostensibly to live eternally with him in glory. And yet at the same time, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created darkness and light. He created day and night. He also created good and evil. Knowing that you have to, I mean, to to create balance, there has to be evil to offset the good. And quite frankly, we were not called to live in the evil. We were called to live in the good. As a matter of fact, there's a a tree in the Garden of Eden that contains the fruit of the knowledge of the difference between good and evil. And we were told, don't eat from that tree. And so Adam and Eve took the fruit from that tree, whether it was an apple or not, is immaterial. The fact that they were told not to take the fruit and they took the fruit, that's the problem. And once they did, what happened? Their eyes were opened and all of a sudden they knew the difference between good and evil. All of a sudden they knew, hey, we're naked. 
you know, your newborn infant grandchild doesn't know that he or she is naked. They don't care. <laughs> I'm hungry, give me food. I'm wet or I'm messy, give me a clean pants. I'm tired, give me a nap. That's what I know. But they, they, babies cruise around naked all the time. They don't care. Why? Because they don't know that they're naked. They don't know that there's a problem with this. They don't know that it's not socially acceptable. And we don't freak out. Oh, there's a naked baby. What are we going to do? Right? <laughs> but when Adam and Eve all of a sudden had knowledge, they knew that they were different. They knew that they weren't supposed to. The first thing that they knew after eating the fruit was that they weren't supposed to eat the fruit. And so when God comes walking through the garden that night, can you imagine the pressure on Adam and Eve at that point, when you hear God walking, what does scripture tell us in Genesis? God's walking through the garden of Eden in the cool of the evening. God is walking, looking for his creation with whom he wanted to dwell. And what do we get? We get God asking questions. Why are you hiding? Who told you you were naked? You know, why did you do this? He knows he's omniscient. He knows what they did. And so what does he do? We have the first animal sacrifice to create a covering for them. The fig leaves weren't cutting it. And then what does he say? Out, there you go. You are now heading east of Eden. I'll put an angel here to protect it. This is going to stay my perfect creation, but y'all got to figure this out outside of here. The creation story tells us that God created the heavens and the earth and the earth wasn't all Eden. But that part where we were called to dwell and to name the animals and name the plants and have dominion over them. And now we're out. And for thousands of years, wandered and made a life and actually had a people of God in Israel that were spoken to by the prophets and God himself. And eventually God says, you know what? It's time. It's time to redeem my people. First, it was Noah and the ark, and we're going to wipe him away with flood. And, oh, okay, we'll keep Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives, and we'll start over again. But now, God sends his son at just the right moment, a little over 2,000 years ago, the way we mark time. And Jesus Christ came into the earth, came onto the earth to save us from our sin, to reconnect us, to reunite us with God. God and sinners reconciled, as we sing in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And so, The true good news is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who would ever believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. That is the good news. Nowhere in that good news will you see God so loved the world that he sent Donald Trump to run for president that we have to vote for him or God so loved the world that he wanted to correct the church that he sent Bill Clinton or Barack Obama or George W. Bush. And sometimes we confuse that, but there are a lot of people who spend tons of time looking at the Bible and seeing about passages on marriage and parenting and how to interact with government. They say, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm preaching the gospel, without realizing that the gospel begins and ends with God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever responds to the gift of faith, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and receives the gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and professes that, and acts upon that because of the spurring on of the Holy Spirit, that man or woman is saved. John chapter 3, verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's only begotten Son. 
This is the verdict. And this is where we are right now, brothers and sisters. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Now, I made this present tense. John records that in the past tense. People loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But I'm putting a present tense spin on it, not to change the words of scripture, but to help us see where we are right now in the culture. The light has come. The light of Christ lives in the hearts of his people, you and me. But the world is living in darkness. Why? They love darkness and they love evil. They hate the light. At verse 20 of John chapter 3, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light. Why? For fear that their deeds will be exposed. But, verse 21, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that they, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Full stop. So when we cast our vote on election day, we are doing so in this light, in this knowledge. It's not necessarily to elect a candidate. It's to say, God, thy will be done. People will say, how is you as Christians could vote for this candidate or this issue or this, that, and the other thing? Because it just seems like they're both bad choices. Well, and they might very well be. But we, the people of God, come before the Lord with Bible in hand, with prayer on our lips, asking God for what his direction is. And then we don't spend a ton of time trying to convince other people or pound on statements and, you know, this is what we have to do, we have to do, we have to do to try to save our country. If I look at Matthew 28 and Mark 16, go into all the world and do what? I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. It does not say go into all the world and vote Republican. It does not say go into all the world and elect Donald Trump. It does not say go into all the world and overturn Roe versus Wade. It says go into all the world and preach that gospel and let the gospel transformation change the way people act and change the way people are approaching life in general. Let the gospel do the work. Let God's word do the work. Let the spirit do the work. Little Super Tuesday diatribe here to get us all (laughs) revved up here. Hey, we're going to take a look at some other stories as well, but I want to revisit a conversation I had uh, not too long ago with Dr. Jason Lyle. Uh, He, talking about getting to the heart of the issue, the nuts and bolts of the creation story and how that helps us understand who we are, how far the world has fallen and why we vote the way we do, why we act the way we do. Uh, He's written a book called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation that literally provides mathematical proof that affirms biblical creation and the Christian worldview. Dr. Jason Lyle joins me to discuss this book and this concept coming up next as the bottom line continues. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income 
inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. A question for you. What if mathematicians discovered a secret code that was embedded in math, disclosing an amazing work of art hidden in the numbers? Well, what if I told you that that really did, in fact, happen? And today here on the Bottom Line Show, we're going to take a look at this this story simply from the fact that uh, one noted researcher uh, is of the impression that only people who hold a biblical worldview can actually see this and understand it. Dr. Jason Lyle is a Christian astrophysicist who writes and speaks on various topics relating to science and the defense of Christian faith. He has a master's degree and a PhD in astrophysics from the University of Colorado in Boulder, and he joins me today to talk about a brand new book of his called Fractals. And if you've ever want to know what a fractal is, you've come to the right place. The Secret Code of Creation. We've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Dr. Jason Lyle, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Well, thank you for having me on. Did I pronounce that properly? It, it is fractals or not fractales or anything like that? I mean, uh, it's just, no, just, it's fractals. <laughs> just like it sounds. Okay. Pretty straightforward. What, first yep. question, what's a fractal? A fractal is a shape that when you zoom in on it, it contains smaller versions of itself or things that resemble the overall shape. So often when you when you look at a fractal, you can't tell if you're looking at the whole thing or a very, very small section of it. Interesting. How long have they been around? Is this, does this go back to the creation story? Is this something that's only been recently discovered? Well, there are different types of fractals, and the ones that you can see in nature have been, you know, people have been aware of those for a long time. Certain cloud patterns, if you zoom in on a section of the cloud, it kind of looks like the whole thing. So mm-hmm. people have been aware of fractals for a while, but the particular kind that I'm, that I'm talking about in this book uh, were only discovered in the 1980s. So this is a fairly recent uh, phenomenon, and these are fractals that are built into numbers. And so they've existed since creation. Uh, they, you know, they exist in, I would argue, the mind of God. God's responsible for numbers. But they were only discovered about uh, 40 years ago. Interesting. Uh, okay, let's take a look at the way the book is put together. Obviously, you mentioned the artwork and everything. There's a math component that I'm kind of interested too. Kind of tell tell us what you were hoping to accomplish with this book, the secret code of creation, these fractals that you've been describing. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I want people to be aware of these things because this is a. Uh, it's kind of like discovering a new universe hmm. that uh, people didn't know about before 1980. And, uh, and, I, and, and it's beautiful. It's at this, this new universe is absolutely beautiful. It's artwork that is, uh, it really surpasses, I think, anything human beings have done. So that's one part. I, I just want to share this with people. Um, and I want to show them how it's done, you know, how, how we discovered these things. And so that's really what the first chapter is. And it does involve, um, you know, numbers. It's, it's a code that's built into numbers. It's built into math. You don't need to know anything about math. If you can add one plus one, you can understand this book. It's, it's not difficult. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to do is, is show people that really only, only the biblical God can make sense of these shapes, because human beings, we didn't create numbers. Now, we created the notation, and there's different notations. You can use you know, Roman numerals, or we, we tend to use the Arabic numerals. But in terms of inventing mathematical truths, like one plus one equals two, no human being decided that that should be the case. Otherwise, we could have decided differently. We could have said, well, no, I'm, I'm going to declare one plus one equals three. Well, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. An architect using those principles is not going to be very successful. Uh, math is something that exists in the mind of God that God's allowed us to discover. 
And uh, because of, of computers, we can now do mathematical computations very quickly. And that's why it wasn't until the 1980s that we discovered these shapes that have been hidden in math since creation and are now available for all to see. Dr. Jason Lyle is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, the first astrophysicist turned apologetics ministry guy that I think we've ever had on the program here. Uh, his brand new book is called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Jason, as you were just describing what these are and you know, the codes and the way you put this book together, I couldn't help but think that there's a conversation going on in the culture right now with regard to mathematics, how it's taught. Uh, we think of the common core you know, experiment. We think of the number of people who are even suggesting that somehow uh, the mathematical equations and the way we approach them might have some kind of systemic racist uh, tendencies to it. But what, I'm, but what I'm hearing you say is, I mean, with all due respect, nothing could be further from the truth because this is God's right. idea and it's woven into creation. Talk about why it's important for us to understand that rather than just getting lost in the weeds of, oh, well, there's a black versus white thing or a Republican versus Democrat thing. This is a God and nature versus any sort of alternate universe type of thing. It is. It, it, it's a matter of truth, and truth is not relevant to things like skin pigmentation or anything like that. That's, that's totally irrelevant to what is true. Math is the study of the relationship between numbers, and it doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. One plus one equals two. That's, that's a mathematical truth. Now, you can try and do it other ways. You could try to build a house or something using different principles, but it won't work because the physical universe, which is created by God, obeys the math that God uh, has in his mind. And so we would expect, and again, that's a, that is a Christian principle. Now, non-Christians can use this math, and they do. I, I know some non-Christian mathematicians, that's fine, but they really can't make sense of mathematical principles. So it has nothing to do with ethnic backgrounds or anything like that. It's just a matter of what is true, and how do we discover that? And the Christian worldview can make sense of that, and I would argue no other really can. Yeah, and that, that, that's really key because we're, I was talking with George Barna, a re Christian researcher, not too long ago, and he made the point that one of the biggest challenges that the church faces in the culture right now is the number of Americans, Christian and unbeliever alike, who really honestly do put equal weight and equal value on all the major religions of the, of the world, and yet anyone that is worshiping anybody or anyone other than the true God of the Bible is really not only missing out on obviously, you know, true worship experience, but if I may be so bold, Dr. Lyle, they're denying science and scientific reality in doing so. Yeah, they are. They're, yeah, they are denying reality. The real universe is God's universe. There's no doubt about that. And I think maybe because we, um, in, in our, in our American culture, you know, we have things like, we, in terms of the way elected officials are voted in, it's democratic in the sense that we vote for leaders and, you know, majority uh, rules and so on. We tend to think that, well, whatever the majority thinks, that's what to go with. No, the truth doesn't work that way. Scientific principles don't work that way. In fact, every major scientific discovery went against what the majority thought. Yeah, otherwise, it wouldn't have been a discovery. And so uh, truth is, corresponds to the mind of God, not the majority opinion of human beings. And the universe, it, it corresponds to the mind of God. The way the universe works is totally irrelevant to your preferences or expectations. You might wish that you didn't have to put fuel in your car to get from mm -hmm. A to B, but you do have to put fuel in your car right, to get right. from A to B, because that's the way that God has, uh, has chosen to uphold his universe.
I'm talking with Dr. Jason Lyle today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, his new book is called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You have several terms that I'm obviously not familiar with. I, I thought about being a math major for about an hour and a half when I was in high school and uh, you know decided to go into <laughs> broadcasting instead. Uh, but you, with your astronomy background and also your minor in math, but then the apologetics world. Uh, talk about in the in the if, for the casual reader, the person who's just going to click on our website, see the table of contents, and see some terms there that they're not familiar with. Can you walk us through some of the terms and what you're getting at? I mean, obviously it's explained more in detail in the book, but uh, talk about things like you know multibrots and tricorns and things like the things that you're actually talking about. Yeah, sure. The the uh, book begins by exploring what's called the Mandelbrot set. And that was the first of these of this particular type of fractal that was discovered. It was discovered technically in 1978, but it wasn't really explored until the 1980s. It's named after Benoit Mandelbrot. He was a uh, computer, program, uh, computer programmer at IBM and very interested in certain mathematical uh, challenges, including a branch of mathematics called chaos. And chaos mathematics deals with um, what happens when you change the starting point very, very slightly, and yet it has an enormous impact on the result. And so if you start with, say, the number one, and you run it through some kind of formula, and you end up with the number 17. Whereas if you start with the number 1.001, which is really close, you might end up with a totally different number. You might end up with a million. And that's an example of chaos. And chaos usually involves running a uh, number through a, an algorithm, where you, and what's called a recursive algorithm. That's where you, you put a number into this little formula, you get a new number out, you take the new number, put it back in the formula, run it through again, get a new number, run it back again, and so on and so forth. And uh, it's tedious to do that for human beings, but computers don't mind doing things thousands of sure. times. And sure. so that's why fractals were really uh, discovered in the 1980s. So the Mandelbrot set, is uh, based on the formula z squared plus c. Very simple little formula, z squared, mm -hmm. z times itself, plus c. And it turns out that uh, c, c is the number you're checking to see if it belongs to the Mandelbrot set. And when you, and you, and z starts as zero, and so you take zero squared, add it to your number c, and you get a new number, you put that back in, you do it again, you put it back in, you do it again, one of two things will happen. Either the resulting sequence will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger without limit, or it won't. It might get smaller and smaller, or it might stay the same. And it turns out that if, if the number stays small, we say that is a member of the Mandelbrot set, whereas if the number gets incredibly large, it isn't. Okay, and so it's, it's pretty easy to do, and I, it's a little hard to describe over radio like this, but sure, if, you, sure. if you do a few examples, it's very, very easy. And then the other thing is it, the Mandelbrot set also includes what are called imaginary numbers, and I hate that name because it makes it sound like they don't right. exist. They do exist, uh -huh. but an, an imaginary number is, when, is a number that when you square it, you get a negative. So an imaginary number times itself equals a negative number, and that's a little hard for us to comprehend because – Imaginary numbers are not positive, they're not negative, they're not zero. They're kind of on a, along a different axis. If you think of the real numbers along the x-axis, then you can think of the imaginary numbers along the y-axis. And it turns out that when you plot, you have a computer, and you, ch you check each point in the plane to see whether or not it belongs in the Mandelbrot set, and you make a map of it. The map of it turns out to be one of the most interesting shapes that human beings have ever discovered it is remarkable. And so what we're really looking at in this book are maps of which points belong to certain sets. And what surprised everybody is that these, these maps turn out to be remarkably complex. They're infinitely complex, in fact, 
you can zoom in on them and continue to zoom in and you get more and more structure. But they're also unbelievably beautiful. You have these incredible double spirals and all kinds of beautiful shapes. Uh, and and that's, the, that's the real selling point, I think, of the book. I think when people pick it up and just leap through it, they're going to say, wow, who's responsible for this artwork? And my claim is it's God. It's Only God. God can make sense of this. I love this. Dr. Jason Lyle is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. You've got to take a look at his book called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh in our fascinating conversation with Dr. Jason Lyle. We are at the midpoint of this discussion. Uh, the book we're talking about is called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation, a remarkable story uh, answering the question, what if mathematicians discovered a secret code embedded in math that discloses an amazing work of art hidden in the numbers? Just such a code of outstanding beauty was discovered about 40 years ago, and the artwork that is displayed in this book uh, literally, it's always existed, but it's been built into the numbers at creation. And Dr. Jason Lyle shows that these fractals give us yet another example of biblical proof of the creation story. The book Fractals is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a copy of two, actually, we have two copies of the book to give away. 800-227-5278. Teresa is standing by to take your calls right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Fractals by Dr. Jason Lyle, The Secret Code of Creation. Yes, a mathematical code. And we see the creation story baked into the code. Uh, Just yet another example of how God in his creativity and infinite wisdom has made known to his children the truth about creation, the truth about sin and salvation, the truth about our need for God, but also the truth about God's desire to be in relationship with his children. The good news of the gospel is available for anyone who will hear it, believe it, and receive it, but it doesn't mean that everyone that we're walking around with who says, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. Fractals, the secret code of creation, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Dr. Jason Lyle coming up next as the bottom line continues. Right after you get into an accident, you need to call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to begin the process of healing. Too many people make the wrong choice and try to handle their case on their own. Don't be gullible. Your insurance company does not have your best interests in mind. Their job is to save money, not help you recover. Stephanie's priority is you. She will help you recover wholly, mind, body, and spirit, as well as get you the settlement you deserve. 
Begin your recovery by contacting Stephanie first and follow her instructions to streamline your healing process. Stephanie has over 25 years of experience and knows how to get you healed and restored. Although your friends and family may have good intentions, they are not personal injury attorneys, and therefore they do not know the best way to help you. Stephanie Cover does, and she will help you put the pieces back together financially, physically, and spiritually. You need to write down her number now, 877-214-4935, or go to kbrightradio.com slash Law. Your healing begins with Cover Law. Dr. Jason Lyle is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, a fascinating new book called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Jason Lyle, a Christian astrophysicist uh, who, in addition to having a master's and Ph.D. in astrophysics from the University of Colorado Boulder, is also uh, in full-time apologetics, the uh, Biblical Science uh, Institute. What was it like for you? When did God speak to you and say, I need you in this ministry uh, doing more apologetics with the background that you have. It seems like kind of a, a specialty, you know, a novelty of sorts, but the more and more we're having this conversation, Dr. Jason Lyle, it seems like a real necessity to have someone with you, what you're doing in your background, doing apologetics. It, it is important. We need, we, all Christians need to be able to, to give an answer when anyone asks them a reason for the hope that's in them and to do so with gentleness and respect. But God calls a few of us to, uh, he puts a just a, a passion on our hearts to study a specific area and really explore that and show people how that glorifies God. I would say I was probably about halfway through grad school. I think before before grad school, I thought I would probably teach at a secular university and make some ripples there because I do want I do want to share my faith with uh, the students and so on. Sure. But I became a little frustrated with the handcuffs that would be placed on me in a secular setting. And so I thought, you know, I really would like to do full-time apologetics ministry. I was about halfway through grad school. So before I even got my PhD, I was thinking along these lines. Hmm. I'm glad that you did. And I'm grateful, especially with your book, The Ultimate Proof of Creation, uh, the way that you were able to articulate these uh, really challenging but uh, fascinating uh, scientific principles and truths into something that we... (laughs) common folk like us can uh, understand in the book Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation, uh, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. You and I were talking during the break, Jason, about uh, not only the book, because the book in and of itself is fascinating, but uh, this is pretty highbrow, high-level scientific stuff. Uh, you've also got some uh, uh, some computer applications as well that come along with the purchase of the book. Talk about that. Yeah, that's right. I actually uh, wrote the computer program that plots the fractals that are uh, in this book. And so we've decided to include that program. Anyone who gets the book will also get the computer program. And uh, if you, in fact, if you get it from our website, the biblicalscienceinstitute.com, uh, we'll include a CD with the program and the pictures in the book. But even if you don't get it through the website, or or if you don't have some, some of the newer computers don't have a CD drive, it'll still have a link in the book where you can download the computer program. And so you can continue to explore these shapes. And so, you know, if you, you say, well, boy, that figure 9.6, that's beautiful. I'd like to zoom in on that. Well, you can. You can take this program and zoom in on it. And I think that's really neat because this is this is a, a sort of a new universe that we that we didn't know about before 1980. Mm-hmm. And unlike the physical universe where you need some pretty powerful equipment to be able to really zoom in on the pretty stuff, you know, those distant galaxies, you need a powerful telescope to be able to do that. With this, you can explore these shapes with uh, with a computer, and uh, you, most people have access to a computer these days, and I think that's really neat. It doesn't have to be a, even a very powerful computer. It can be an older one that's not, not very expensive, 
and you can continue to explore this universe that God created ultimately for His glory, but also, I think, for our enjoyment as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I appreciate the fact that you have put this resource together in doing it in such a way. And as you talked about before, just a quick definition of the fractals, once again, for those who might be just joining us. Uh, what exactly are they? Why are they so important to understanding the secret code of creation? Well, fractals are shapes that have smaller versions of themselves built in. And the the neat thing about these particular types of fractals, the ones that I'm talking about in the book, are primarily ones that were discovered when you plot maps of certain mathematical sets. And the sets can be really simply defined, like z squared plus c. That's the Mandelbrot set. And And when you make a map of which points belong to that set, you get these wonderful shapes. And when you zoom in on them, you get smaller versions of the original shape, which is remarkable. That's also called scale invariance. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how much you zoom in. Eventually, you'll get sort of a baby version of the entire set. And you can zoom in on it, and you'll get a baby of the baby, and so on. It it, (laughs) it, it continues forever. And, And that's what we would expect, given that God's mind is responsible for mathematical truths, because God's mind is infinite. And so you can actually zoom in on these fractals literally forever without exhausting the riches of their beauty. I could see my grandson. He's only four right now, but he's got a very analytical mind. This is just gonna, this is gonna keep him happy and uh, smiling for quite some time. I mean, he's four, but uh, nonetheless, I think never, never too early to start someone on this. Uh, Dr. Lyle, there's a chapter in the book called "Physical Fractals and the Grand Dilemma." I was wondering if you could unpack that for us because it's such a thought-provoking title. Uh, when people are flipping through the table of contents online, they might say, "What, what, what specifically are you referring to there?" What you're going to find when we, when we plot these mathematical fractals, some of them look like things you might have experienced in nature, uh, like snowflakes, for example. Snowflakes have a fractal quality to them that when you zoom in on them, they, can, they kind of look, you know, the, the smaller parts kind of look like the entire snowflake. They still have that six-fold symmetry and so on. I used to be fascinated when I was a youngster, uh, when I, you know, growing up in Ohio, and on certain days when it was really cold in the winter, frost would form on the window, and it would form these beautiful patterns. And it's very similar to the kinds of patterns we see in fractals. Or for that matter, the way lightning bolts branch. They branch, and then they branch into branches, and the branches branch into branches. And it's hard to tell. You know, If I showed you a photo of a section of a lightning bolt, it would be hard for you to tell if it's a, just a very small section or the entire lightning bolt or maybe just a right. spark that I recorded uh, because it has that scale invariance. And so then the question is, why does the physical universe also have fractals in it? How does it know about these shapes? And, and, of course, one answer would be, well, you know, fractals occur in mathematics. The physical universe obeys mathematical laws like E equals MC squared. And so it stands to reason that the physical universe would also have fractals in it. And that's a, that's a good answer as far as it goes, but it doesn't quite go far enough, because then I'm going to ask the question, why does the physical universe obey mathematical laws? Hmm. We, all, we all take that for granted. Scientists assume that they're going to find mathematical patterns in nature, but why should they? Because math is mental. Math mm-hmm. is, is when you think about uh, the relationships between numbers, and numbers are an abstract conception of quantity. Mathematics mm-hmm. takes place in the mind. So how does the, how does the universe know what's going on in our mind? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem for the secular worldview, but in the Christian worldview it makes sense, because mathematics is a reflection of the way God thinks about numbers. And the physical universe is controlled and upheld by the mind of God. So of course the physical universe is going to obey math. It has the same creator as math does. And so that, you know, the Christian, we can make sense of that. And, and, and lest anyone think, well, I don't know, I think there might be a secular explanation for that. I have to tell you, secularists have not come up with a good explanation for why the universe obeys math. In fact, in the book, I'll quote uh, uh, Eugene Wigner. He was a brilliant Nobel Prize winning PhD physicist 
who wrote on this topic from apparently from his secular perspective that uh, and he's he's basically asking the question why does the physical universe obey math and his answer is he doesn't know he said the the, the enormous usefulness of mathematics and the natural sciences is something uh, bordering on the mysterious and that there is no uh, rational explanation for it and I would argue, well, in the Christian worldview, there is. Here, here's, here's Eugene Wigner's summary from his secular viewpoint of how it is that the universe, the physical universe, obeys math. Here's what he says. He says, the miracle of the appropriateness of the language of mathematics for the formulation of the laws of physics is a wonderful gift which we neither understand nor deserve. Mm. That's his summary on the matter. From a secular perspective, you cannot wow. explain why the physical universe obeys math. But from a Christian worldview, it makes perfect sense. Sure. And I think that's something that'll be brought out in this book. Yeah, and I, I love that the, the the mind of God makes this happen, and and that's the only real rational, logical, uh, mathematical explanation for it. Uh, Dr. Jason Lyle with uh, the the Biblical Science Institute. The brand new book is called Fractals: The Secret Code of Creation. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Jason, thank you for the work that you've done on this. It's a really great resource. It's going to help a lot of people, uh, especially nowadays when. We're living in a culture where a lot of people are saying, gosh, how do I know that I can know what I really know is true about God, about the Bible, about heaven and hell and sin and salvation? You've given us some very tangible, measurable metrics uh, to use in this book, and I'm grateful for the work that you've put into it. Thanks so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Well, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. And a fascinating conversation coming to an end right here. Dr. Jason Lyle has been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation. We have a couple copies of this book to share with you today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I, for many years, prior to meeting Dr. Jason Lyle, um, he reminded me of something that I used to share with people all the time. I'd say, you know, life is basically math you find out what the equation is that you need to solve and find out what numbers what integers what values you need to put into that equation and then just work the equation i mean it's really not that hard i mean if if you were dave ramsey and you're talking about money you'd say look here's the deal if you spend more than you make every month you are going to be running in a deficit you'll never get out of debt the only way you can get out of debt is to make more than you spend and you don't try to out earn that but rather you try to be a better manager, a better steward of the resources that you have, as if Dennis Wilson would say, as if, if these funds were not yours. I mean, hey, they're God's. That's where all this begins. In the same way, when we look at life, there are a lot of people on the left side of the equation, the progressives, if you will, that are trying to outrun an equation that really does not add up. It never adds up. Um, coming up this week on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, John and Bob and Neil and yours truly will have a rather riveting discussion about the immigration issue and how progressives have this kind of nirvanic dream of saying, hey, let's have an open border. Let's have you know, let anybody who wants to be a no human is illegal, et cetera, et cetera, until that person shows up at their house in Martha's Vineyard or in their mansion in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York City. Heaven forbid Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, right? I mean, you got Muriel Bowser in 2019, the mayor saying, we want this to be a sanctuary city. And then in 2022 saying, we can't have all these immigrants here demanding sanctuary. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's crazy how, when you get right down to it, God is a God of accounting, first and foremost. My uh, friend and colleague, Chad Bird, writes often about the fact that when it comes to God's economy, God's accounting is always settled up with blood, 
first and foremost. It was the blood of Jesus that pays the penalty for our sin in the same way it was the blood of an animal in the Garden of Eden that paid the penalty for Adam and Eve's sin in that moment by you know, giving his life so then there's skins and clothes and, and that type of thing. But God operates in blood currency, but he also operates in statistical, analytical, numeric fact. And the reality, how many times do you see? You can calculate the number of the beast. Our sins are innumerable and immeasurable to us, but God has the counting of each one. One of the blessed parts, the most beautiful parts of the salvation experience is knowing that the blood of Jesus pays that penalty. Not only does he wipe away your sin, washes it clean as if it never existed, you're, you know, it's now white as snow, but at the same time, wouldn't it be great to know that you, as a believer, also have the debt physically paid for you because of the blood of Jesus Christ? And that's, in essence, what we're saying. So Dr. Jason Lyle's mantra here with the Fractals book, the Fractals book, uh, it literally, there's basically the creation story is embedded in mathematical code. I mean, these works of art come out of it. It's just, it's remarkable how God works, but make no mistake, there is an accounting. And I, that's why I love these books so much. That's why I love these conversations so much. Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation by Dr. J- Jason Lyle. The books are up at thebottomlineshow.com, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we'll do a little more accounting, as it were, in terms of what leftist policies, what progressive policies are getting our society on the whole and why we as Christians may not be able to change the tide in the entire culture, we can certainly set a better example by following a biblical worldview simply by looking at what the numbers are telling us with regard to things like uh, sexual promiscuity, out-of-wedlock childbirth, and sexually transmitted diseases. Yes, we can quantify these things, much to the dismay of progressives, and we'll do so on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Got a couple of copies of Dr. Jason Lyle's book called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation, The Mathematical Discovery of a Secret Code Embedded into Math that discloses an amazing work of art that's hidden in the numbers. And this is something Dr. Jason Lyle writes about, and we see pictures of it, uh, to kind of see the creation code played out in art form and mathematical equations is truly remarkable. Um, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, before the break, I teased, as it were, a kind of a super, a couple of Super Tuesday stories that I think are worth noting simply because of the fact that um, as we ask the question, does our voting count? Does it really matter? Well, the question, does our voting count? Of course it does. And many states have passed election integrity laws that are reaping huge benefits for both major political parties. So I don't know why anybody would complain about them from the increase in Republican votership in Georgia to the increase in Democratic turnout in Texas. And the fact that uh, there were no hotly contested elections in either of the primaries that have happened there, and yet there's a lot of political rhetoric from the candidates saying it's racist, it's phobic, it's, uh, it discriminates against women. It's interesting to me to see how Democrats are actually making a bit of a surge in their quest for keeping control of the majority they have in the House of Representatives right now. I'll get to the, that full story at the end of the broadcast today, but there's a Republican congresswoman who's running for re-election uh, here in the People's Republic of California behind the orange curtain, as it were. 
And she's got a campaign ad right now that is pushing the daylights out of the myth that if you don't vote for her, women will lose all of their abortion rights. Now, on a federal level, Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey were, in fact, overturned on the 24th of June. It is so nice to no longer have to say, we all remember the 22nd of January, 1973, because that was the day Roe versus Wade was passed. Now we could say, we all remember June 24th, 2022. That's the day Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey were overturned. And yet here's this candidate saying, basically, my opponent uh, supports a total ban on abortion, and I won't let the government interfere with your health care decisions, which we all know is silly to say, because first and foremost, what the left is trying to tell you is have sex whatever you want to with whomever you want to, and if you get pregnant, we'll just make it go away because you don't want to be pregnant completely denying the scientific reality, let alone the spiritual, that if a man and a woman come together in consensual, uh, conjugal relationship, that they do in fact have the possibility that they will conceive a child. Now, as Christians, I think we should be looking to God first and foremost and saying, well, if two people get together, consummate the relationship, and a child is produced, um, (laughs) how do you... How do you, where does God fit in the equation? If God in Psalm 139 is the one who knits together all life forms and says that all those human lives are good that he created, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to live good lives, but they're good the way he created them. Um, then who are we to say that there's a problem? I got surprised. I, did, I didn't think I'd be pregnant. As Christians, we should just assume that every time you get together in a relationship like that, a child is going to be produced. I mean, just start with that as your default assumption. And you could do what you want to try to prevent the pregnancy from conceiving, but the one place that most Americans agree on is once the child has been conceived, that contraception doesn't mean you get to go back and unconceive the child. But the left seems to think that you can. Interestingly enough, uh, for the fifth consecutive year, uh, cases of gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis have risen in the United States. According to a report from the CDC, There were a total of 2.4 million infections that were diagnosed and reported just last year alone. It's the most cases of gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis that have ever been recorded in the U.S. since they began monitoring these. Which is an indication, brothers and sisters, that if people are getting sexually transmitted diseases, I don't want to overstate the obvious here, but this is something our friends on the progressive side of the equation miss completely, and that is this. If there's an increase in sexually transmitted diseases, there's one way to stop that increase. Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) How about stop having sex outside of marriage? How about stop having same-sex relationships between two guys where you're engaging in sexual contact that is far more risky than the otherwise? I mean, it's just a thought. And yet, when you look at the nation's leading provider of abortive care, as they call it, um, everything that has been done to try to keep Planned Parenthood from continuing on their march toward more federal money, even the presence of Donald Trump in the White House has done nothing to stop not only the number of abortions that are happening here, but the fact that there are so many people who are benefiting from the heinous behavior of Planned Parenthood because they keep getting more money from the federal government. 
Planned Parenthood has released its annual report for fiscal year 2021. And it shows that in spite of the fact that there was a pro-life president for part of that year, uh, there was an 8% increase in the number of abortions performed in fiscal 21 versus fiscal 20. Planned Parenthood performed 383,460 abortions. That's up from 354,871 the previous year. Now, it's interesting because the number of patients that Planned Parenthood says they are seeing, this is in their annual report, and we'll put the link up at thebottomlineshow.com. If you want to read the whole report, you could dig through all the numbers yourself. But what's interesting is the number of testings for sexually transmitted diseases um, for Planned Parenthood is up dramatically. I mean, quite frankly, we read this report and say record number of sexually transmitted diseases reported in the U.S. That's not good for us. Planned Parenthood says, well, it's good for us because look at all these STD testings that they have to do. As a matter of fact, fiscal year 2019-2020, there were 4.4 million people who were, trans- who were tested for sexually transmitted infections. Okay, that take that back. It was 4.4, but... The year before, it was 5.4. So they still made money off of 4.4 million STD tests, even though the number of people testing positive has gone down. Contraceptive services, though, cancer screenings, all the things that Planned Parenthood says that they do, they really don't. And what about the third option when it comes to abortion? The reason I bring all this up is because there are a number of candidates who are running on the ticket on November the 8th who are pro-abortion, and this is what they say they support. We'll take a look at the actual numbers Planned Parenthood received from the federal government in fiscal year 2021. See how it's gone up, but the number of people that they're serving continues to go down with one exception, and that is... More people, more women getting abortions. We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Super Tuesday edition of the program. We're still taking your calls at 800-227-5278 for Dr. Jason Lyle's book on fractals, uh, which is a fascinating look at the creation story as told through math, the secret code of creation. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, the candidates who are running for office that are saying, I will support abortion rights, I will support Planned Parenthood, I will do whatever, uh, they have reason for this. There's a lot of money to be made here. In spite of the fact that the number of patients, the number of clients that Planned Parenthood saw this past year was down from the year before, the fact that the number of sexually transmitted diseases that were screened for, there were um, 4.4 million testings and services for sexually transmitted infections. That's down from 5.4 million the year before. For what we hear about uh, uh, you know, contraceptive care, if we don't have Planned Parenthood, then no one's going to get their birth control pills. Well, that was 2.5 million a year ago. It was 2.2 million last year. Remember the breast, women can't get screenings for breast cancer, blah, blah, blah. Now remember, Planned Parenthood does not do mammograms. They do a self-check and refer you to somebody else. In fiscal 2019-20, it was 599,000 cancer screenings. In fiscal 2021, it was 417,000. 
But the fact that Planned Parenthood last year received $633 million in, quote, government health services reimbursements and grants, that's up from $618 million the year before, a $15 million increase. Number of patients that they saw went from $2.4 million to $2.16 million. And the way Planned Parenthood counts their clients, quote unquote, is if you go in for birth control and you get a pap smear and you have them look at your breasts, then they get you for a breast uh, cancer screening and referral. That's two visits. They get you for a pap smear. That's three. They get you for a prenatal exam, which may or may not be necessary. And then they get you for 12 more visits because they gave you a year's supply worth of birth control. So one woman could go to Planned Parenthood and be credited as 20 clients. And yet, though they say, we don't make that much money off abortion, it's not as big a thing as we do, blah, 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 the number of abortions at Planned Parenthood actually went up by 30,000 abortions, an 8% increase. Nearly 400,000 abortions performed at Planned Parenthood clinics. By the way, though, the number of adoption referrals at Planned Parenthood, remember, in fiscal 2019-20, they had 354,871 abortions and 2,667 adoption referrals. Last year, it was 383,000 abortions and 1,900 adoption referrals. Over the past two decades, Planned Parenthood, are you ready for this? The number of adoptions versus the number of abortions. For fiscal 2000 to 2020, 6.4 million abortions, 303,000 prenatal care services to pregnant women. And the number of adoption referrals, about 1,000 per year for 20 years. Truly remarkable what they do. And yet these are the same people who want your vote. I, I can't stress this enough. If you are a voting person and you are not outraged by that, statistic please check yourself before you vote you can't really make a claim for saying i'm a christian and i'm voting for a candidate who supports abortion rights we've got a link for this article and the other ones we've covered this past hour up at bottomlineshow.com kcbc audience enjoy the rest of your day Uh, we've got rabbi schneider discovering the jewish jesus coming your way next my conversation for you with jason yates of my faith votes will air tonight during the bottom line show extra segment and tomorrow during the bottom line rewind coming up next a brand new portal at myfaithvotes.org. Jason Yates, the My Faith Votes CEO, is going to join me to talk about it next as the bottom line continues. Well, special guest joining us today here on the Bottom Line Show, Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes, myfaithvotes.org, an outstanding organization, faith-based organization, mobilizing us in the body of Christ to get out and vote. Jason Yates, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Roger, it's always a pleasure. I'm I'm thrilled to be here again. There's a lot uh, of important topics uh, that we probably need to be talking about. Well, let's talk about one right off the top, because this is something that as the electorate gets more better informed and as Christian voters are doing more homework, which I really appreciate the fact they're doing. uh, There was an announcement from the White House a couple of weeks ago uh, with regard to things that they think that they're doing to kind of control the economy and make it for the better. And one of the ones that just really was a head scratch for a lot of us was with regard to the president announcing they were going to be forgiving anywhere from ten dollars to $20,000 of student loan debt for certain people who met certain qualifications. That looked to me like just basically a handout from a politician saying, here, I'll give you some money. Now, please vote for me. Uh, Jason Gates, give us a little more 
uh, measured <laughs> response to that, but why Christians you think should be concerned about the fact that there's kind of this false equivalency going on in the culture right now that says, well, you're a Christian and this is loan forgiveness and we should understand forgiveness too. What, what, are, what is the, the general public missing about that argument? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I think, Roger, that there were some planted trolls out there, and I'm not even joking, that because immediately when this came out, uh, you saw in social media all kinds of comments about how this student loan debt forgiveness is the Christian thing to do, that we, we forgive each other's debts, that um, the Bible talks about the year of Jubilee where mm -hmm. we all forgive all the debts. I'm telling you, the thinking is just backwards. And let me tell you a little bit about why I think that. Um, first of all, the generosity is backwards. When we think about um, the biblical approach to um, caring for those in need and how we uh, administer that, we're actually giving to those who are in most need. This particular case, that's not what's happening. It, it's taking from those who have less and giving to those who have more. Uh, the college graduates are those who are on track um, in their life, for the most part. I mean, I'm using generalities here, but it's the 85% of Americans who don't have student loans and a large portion of those who are not doing well. And so we've made a, who aren't participating in this. But Roger, what I've seen, maybe you've seen something different, but it's about a cost of $2,000 per taxpayer. Mm. Um, for this program. And so uh, we are actually transferring the burden to the majority of Americans who haven't gone to college, who are high school graduates, who uh, can't afford another $2,000. Um, so um, I would say that's the first thing, um, that the generosity is backwards. Mm -hmm. It's interesting talking with Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes, about this student loan debacle. The White House is making it sound like it's such a great deal, and even those who have yeah. uh, worked so diligently to try, as you mentioned, to uh, get the bots and get the trolls all ready to go to try to guilt us and the body of Christ to supporting this yeah. type of thing. I'll tell you what: if someone said ten thousand dollars student loan debt forgiven, that gets my attention. But the way you put it, Jason Yates, is this is going to cost me an extra $2,000 for me and for my wife and for my adult children who are working and whatever. That kind of turns the tide. And it's not necessarily unchristian to say, wait a minute, I want to know what the cost of this is, is it? Right. It's it's not at all. It's it's stewardship. Um, and, you know, here in terms of another problem with this is – Comparing it to biblical principles, um, yes, Jesus paid our debt, right? But it was a complete payment. There was nothing left. It came out of God's grace, mm -hmm. out of the riches of his grace, that all of our debt, our sin, is forgiven. That's not what this is. This is a partial pay down of debt, and it's not even fully 
getting rid of the debt and it's transferring it to other people. Um, and then the the third thing I would say about this is the government is, and I already mentioned it a little bit, but you know it's taking from you and me, from those who are working hard or have worked hard to pay off our loans, and are um, you know now now we're helping others pay down their loans. So but I, I would say this, I would say this for those who compare this to the year of Jubilee. And in the Old Testament, this is a concept of every 50 years of eliminating debt. Um, but I, I do think um, people have it wrong um, when they compare it to this. But I will say to you, Roger, that I pray that the the concept of Jubilee is actually, that it actually takes place. Because in the year of Jubilee, People turn their face to God. It was a year of um, just commitment to who he is and his principles. So if there's anything good, and if we're going to compare this to biblical principles, let's pray for a turning to God in all that we do. That's the only good thing I can see out of this. Jason Yates is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the CEO of My Faith Votes. You can find voting information and resources at myfaithvotes.org. And we've got that up at thebottomlineshow.com. It is interesting when you think about this, uh, Jason, the fact that uh, the president here has been coming through with plan after plan after plan after plan. Uh, I, I'm waiting for them all to start with three letters and you know he'll call this the new new deal or something <laughs> like that it really does uh, if he's going to start wearing those little glasses and smoking a pipe but the reality is i mean what we're talking about here is with the, you mentioned the the forgiveness of our sin is total and complete so that we might thrive we might flourish and we might move forward it seems like all of these forgivenesses if you will from the government are coming through as you get a little break here, but you're more reliant on the government somewhere else. So t talk about you call this the fact that you think that President Biden has kind of an FDR complex, if you, that the government is the solution to all of our problems. Well, think about this, Roger, right um, before FDR. Imagine our nation and what it looked like. We had no income tax, no IRS, no Social Security, no Medicare, no Medicaid, no Obamacare. Um, there weren't. Um, there wasn't foreign aid. There weren't farm subsidies. Um, everything about how our government operated was completely different until FDR stepped in with an idea that, no, the government is going to solve our problems. Now, there were a lot of problems back then, but it was a progressive move that forever changed our world. Um, our country. And I, I, I think President Biden has a little bit of an FDR complex. I think he wants to change the country. And I'll tell you what, if we go to the next level, if we go to a level where we are um, investing in heavily in climate change and one world order and other things that are just bringing about massive change where the government is God, then I, I question whether <laughs> the country as we know it is going to be able to survive. Um, so we, we have to protect against that. What, what's really interesting, Roger, is you look back then and the pushback against FDR 
the pushback around his plans. Uh, they went to the Supreme Court, and what did FDR do? He tried to pack the court. He uh-huh. tried to uh-huh. fill the court with people who would approve his view of what was constitutional. And I, I fear that we're also entering a stage where we want to see, at least some, want to see such progressive change in our government that it becomes a question of constitutionality. And if we ever get to a place, and there's been lots of threats to it, of uh, packing the court and changing things just so we can, quote unquote, win, then we truly will have um, difficulty surviving as a nation, uh, at least from a constitutional republic that we know right now. Rather ominous prediction from Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes, myfaithvotes.org. But the good news is there is something we in the body of Christ could do something about this dilemma. And on the other side of this break, we're going to take a look at that, at what My Faith Votes is proposing and what has put together in terms of a plan that covers the entire nation for how we can get involved and get mobilized ahead of the midterm elections. More of my conversation with Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes, coming up next as the bottom line continues. Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes, is my guest today here on the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We've been talking about how uh, the Biden administration policies really haven't been good. And I realize that there are some who listen to this program. Most are conservatives who typically vote Republican. We do have some Democrats and independents who listen to, and I appreciate that. Uh, Taking names off of policies and just looking at everything that's happened over the past two years, you can see that basically this kind of uh, FDR2 that's come our way is, is really propo- proposing uh, more debt, more government reliance, and, and really just kind of potentially putting our Constitution and democracy at risk. My Faith Votes has over 2,000 action partners all across the country that are working to mobilize eligible voters. Jason, I think the last time you and I talked was a few months ago, and we were talking about the number of Christians who will talk a great game, but when it comes to registering to vote and actually voting, there's still a lot of Christians sitting on the sidelines. How many Christians, by your count at MyFaithVotes.org, how many Christians are not registered to vote who could still register and participate in the midterms this year? You know, the registration numbers are at times a little difficult to measure, but Mm -hmm. I will tell you, if you add those up and uh, just in general, than those who aren't voting, we estimate it's about 25 million. Mm-hmm. Let me give you that in a little bit of perspective, right? Sometimes those big numbers are hard to understand and grasp. It's the equivalent, Roger, of 167,000 churches in America that the entire congregation just says, nope, I'm not voting. Oh, my. It's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of the voting eligible population of 22 states Hmm. saying, nope, I'm not voting. This is a big number. It matters. If Christians show up, they will determine and decide the outcomes of every election. Yeah, yeah. And when you put it that way, Jason, there really is no excuse for people in the body of Christ to not vote. Uh, One of the reasons that uh, you have pointed out in your materials that you have at MyFaithVotes.org is the fact that we really do have, I mean, for all intents and purposes, uh, this is probably the president who's serving right now is probably the most out of touch with the faith community of any president we've ever seen. I mean, Bill Clinton kind of knew how to talk it a little bit. Barack Obama was convincing to some people when he would quote scripture. But when it comes to Joe Biden, I 
he's just clueless. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. And, and when you put it that when you mentioned it that way, and you, in terms of how big this voting block is, I mean, not to overstate this, Jason Yates, but the church really is a huge voting block if we will get off our keisters and actually pull the lever. Hey, look, My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization. We just want to equip and motivate Christians to vote and vote biblically. Um, you know, stand for the things that we know are the core principles of our faith. And um, so whatever that outcome is, uh, I do believe there are certain people in, in certain parties that represent that more than uh, the other party. But what I would tell you is, um, you know, we just need to stand up and be involved with that many Christians not voting. There is something we can do. You mentioned our action partner program. Um, we, we must have had a typo in, in the numbers we sent to you. We're actually over 7,000 action partners. Oh, my. And people from every state. And in fact, just today, we had over 1,000 people sign up because of some publicity we got. But a huge number of people are saying, I got to do something. What can I do? And that's what the Action Partner Program is there and meant to do, to give people specific concrete steps that they can do to make a difference in the public square and encourage other Christians to vote. So if anyone wants to be a part of that, they can go to actionpartners.org and sign up to be an action partner. But um, there's there's so much that we can be doing just to encourage each other and to come against even the lies, right? The lies of this separation of church and state. I think there's so many <laughs> things that are problematic with that concept and that idea that somehow says, oh, we're good with just uh, the gospel and sharing the gospel. Well, we, we vote and we get involved so that we can share the gospel. Uh, it's so important, and I think sometimes we're just so deceived um, and, and misunderstood. We're not seeking a, a theocracy, but we are seeking to be part of we the people and everyone coming forward with the values that they represent uh, that are so awesome about this constitutional republic that we're in. I'm talking with Jason Yates today here on The Bottom Line. He is the CEO of My Faith Votes. MyFaithVotes.org is where you'll find uh, more information about that. You've got a new online portal. And, Jason, I, I, I'm, play, I'm pleased uh, to share with our Bottom Line listeners. I do my list of recommendations every year for the midterms and the general elections, usually focusing on state propositions because I'll be honest with you, there are so many different things that are happening nationally and things like that. I have a hard time getting my arms around them. But you are, have launched a new portal recently that we're going to link at thebottomlineshow.com that is far more comprehensive than anything this one guy here in Southern California could put together. Tell us <laughs> about your new portal, if you would. Yeah, we've worked hard on it. You can find it on our website, and uh, that portal is My Voter Hub. It really is. I think you said it very well. I, I believe it's the most comprehensive set of resources for the Christian voter. Uh, you can go and, of course, see all the details about your upcoming election, the date you can register or see if you're registered, uh, request absentee ballots, all of that. But we have a voter guide, an online voter guide that's personalized. You put in your address, 
you will see a complete list of, regardless of your zip code, everything that's going to be on your ballot in November. You can see the positions of the candidates on key issues and make wise decisions based on that. You can share that then, your decisions with other people so that you can say, hey, here's what I'm voting for this November. Um, if we can get people doing that, if we can get people um, willing to, to speak up and be more social on their choices and be able to take a stand and encourage others to do the same, we will get more people voting and voting biblically. So uh, this My Voter Hub at MyFaithToVotes.org is, uh, I believe, an incredible tool that uh, every Christian should engage with. With My Voter Hub at MyFaithVotes.org. That's what the resource that you need to find it. Of course, we have listeners listening in multiple states here on the Bottom Line Show, so find your local area, and MyFaithVotes.org has the the portal for you. Uh, Jason, we've got about 60 seconds left in our time together. Of course, these these midterms are critical. We hear on the national level that there would be a potential red wave coming through where more conservative candidates would uh, would be elected simply because there's such a disdain for President Biden and Vice President Harris right now. Uh, but I know one of the, the issues, you say you're a nonpartisan organization, which I do appreciate about uh, your, your group at My Faith Votes. And part of the issue is there's faith and there's also the voting part. We've talked an awful lot about the voting part. Let's talk about the faith part and making sure that we keep our focus for this election and every election beyond saying we want to do what God wants us to do. We want to be obedient to him first and foremost. And that's what motivates our faith. Talk about why that's a driving force with your organization. Well, Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, um, it's impossible to please God. And I hope that your listeners want to please God and please God with their vote. And so some of the things that we're encouraging people to think about, life, does your vote represent life? Does it represent uh, religious freedom in our nation for people to make choices and act in a way that, that best reflects uh, and honors God? Um, does it reflect Uh, biblical sexuality and traditional marriage that's clearly laid out in the Word of God? Does it support care and concern for those in need? These are the things that every Christian should be, as they cast their vote, it should be cast through the lens of those issues and making the very best decision that's going to impact, as Galatians 6.10 says, do good um, as you have opportunity for everyone but especially those of the faith. Voting is an opportunity to do good for everyone, but for our biblical principles as well. Boy, and that's such a a great biblical perspective, especially as many people are accusing us in the body of Christ of, you know, Christian nationalism, putting our politics ahead of our faith. Jason Yates, what I hear from you is faith is what drives your passion to help us vote biblically and let our faith vote as opposed to the other way around. And I I really appreciate what your organization has done for so many Christians to educate, to edify, and to exhort, as case may be. Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes. MyFaithVotes.org is where you'll find that brand-new portal. Uh, What was the name of the portal again, the button we should be looking for on your website? My Voter Hub. That's the one. Okay, hit myvoterhub. Uh, when you go to myfaithvotes.org, and you'll be in great shape. Jason Yates, always a pleasure. Thanks for the work that you do, and thank you for being with us today here on the Bottom Line. Thanks, Roger. 
Always a great conversation with Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes. MyFaithVotes.org is the website and the portal he was talking about, My Voter Hub. I'm staring at the page right now, and if you go to MyFaithVotes.org, it's the second box down on the far right. You click on My Voter Hub, you find sample ballots, you find voter guides for wherever you are listening to The Bottom Line Show. And I encourage you, the uh, the voter deadline for this reg, uh, national election is September 29th, and they've got a right now letter campaign in there as well. I, I really recommend that you take advantage of this because, as Jason mentioned, 25 million Christians will not participate in this year's uh, midterm elections. And it's a shame to think of the public policy that could be established uh, on behalf of biblical values, not Christian nationalism per se, but definitely for uh, Christian biblical worldviews, if Christians will go to the polls and vote. Uh, Make a compelling reason why, actually two compelling reasons why, one because of the polls and the other because of scripture. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. It's been great to have a conversation the past half hour with Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, our Super Tuesday edition of the program, though I realize that if you're listening on KCBC, uh, you're hearing this either during The Bottom Line Show Extra or The Bottom Line Rewind segments. Go to myfaithvotes.org right now. On the homepage, you'll see a big old box in the right-hand corner uh, right below the register to vote or check your voter registration box. There's one called My Voter Hub. That's the one Jason was just talking about. Sample ballots, voter guides. It's a great way to kind of get ready for the election, of course, November the 8th. And with early voting and mail-in voting, you have a golden opportunity to make your vote, vote count. Now, here's the reason why I think it's so important. First and foremost, I want to share a story out of Fox News from earlier today with regard to the power rankings and the question about whether or not there's going to be a red wave on November 8th and whether or not the GOP will take back the House of Representatives. Well, the good news is, if you're a conservative, that we have a better chance with conservative values with Republicans and Democrats. And right now it looks like the Democrats are are scheduled to lose a certain number of seats. The Republicans will pick up some. The Basically, what could potentially happen, worst case scenario right now, is that we stay pretty much where we are, that you got 219 Democrats, 216 Republicans. That's a best case for Democrats and worst case for Republicans. Now, the best case for uh, Republicans is that they wind up taking 30 more seats and it becomes a 246 to 189 split. Right now, Fox News is calling it as 216 for Republicans, 189 for Democrats, and all the rest of the seats are up for grabs. So your vote definitely counts. And especially if you think of the 25 million Christians, even if half of the Christians who don't vote would vote, it would certainly have an impact on the election. Now, here's the other reason why I think your vote matters. When Jesus was questioned as to whether or not it was lawful to pay taxes, he gave a classic response. Remember, there was the fish with the denarius in it, and Jesus said, you know, whose inscription is on the denarius, and that was Caesar's. And then Jesus says, Famously, uh, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. It's a, on the surface, it means Christians pay your taxes, you know, be good citizens in this life, you know, but also pay your tithe and your offering as well. But take it a step further. What else belongs to Caesar that you give to Caesar, but you're also giving as unto the Lord? That would be your vote. I mean, quite frankly, I don't think it's biblical to sit out an election. You don't have to like the candidates, choose the best one, the one who's most biblical. But please, make sure you're registered to vote and that you vote in these midterm elections. These may be the most crucial midterm elections we've ever had in the United States of America, but I would love to see the faith of believers reflected in the numbers at the polls this November 8th. And that's the bottom line.